707 grab your popcorn because this one's gonna be a good one it's time for iron sports 95.9 true oldies channel i'm mike balsamo here with you as well so much going on in the world of sports we've crowned a new world champion when it comes to baseball. Already getting thumbs downs across the glass here as uh, a lot of Yankee fans uh, here in this show. But regardless, uh, you got to give it up to the Boston Red Sox. They are your new World Series champs. Uh, just destroyed the Dodgers 4-1. to one. We'll talk with Ira about that a ton coming up. And Ira's got some interesting stories coming from there as well. Also, coaches being fired in football. Coaches being fired in base- uh, basketball. We've got a lot to discuss tonight. It's Ira. Ira on sports on the True Oldies channel. Ira, let's start it off like we always do. Where have you been? Because this might be the busiest week you've had in years. Well, I don't know if it was the busiest week in years, but I did go to two. Well, let's say the past 10 days, I've been to now three Laker games, one the National League Championship Series game, and then three World Series games. So in just one week, uh, two Laker games and three World Series games. But I could have gone on Sunday in L.A. If I somehow was uh, in many places. You could have seen the Rams played at home, the Dodgers played the World Series, the L.A. King hockey team played at home, the L.A. Clipper basketball team played at home, and then if you like soccer, the L.A. Galaxy was at home, all within like a five-mile square radius of, of an area. So it's like almost the Olympics for pro sports. It, it absolutely it was just everything kind of uh, crossing over to each other. This is why this time of year is so much fun. But Ira, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because you know you're in LA all the time, LA and New York. In New York is a sports city. LA gets that rap of not being a sports town. Yet, like you said, you could have attended six events in the same day if you had the time and three clones of yourself. Is LA starting to come around? Or are you still seeing it be that bad reputation of not a sports town? For not being a sports town, the Dodgers drew 3.9 million. I mean, the Dodgers drew more people than the Yankees and Mets combined, almost. So, I mean, it was, I mean, they drew 3.9 million people. Now, football, no, they are not a football town. The Rams, though, are going to make this town a football town. They're really, really good. People are getting excited about this team, and they're going to play in a brand that probably the best stadium ever built. Uh, so the Rams are going to make this a team. This is the Lakers are big. I mean, the Lakers. This is a huge Lakers town. I mean, the fact that Clippers play here and nobody goes to their games, they can't be held against them. And the Kings are a fun team to watch. And people, they do have the following for a hockey team, and they draw pretty well. So, and the Galaxy, of course, for soccer, is one of the best drawing soccer teams. So, and then they have when UCLA and USC are hot. I mean, they what UCLA played on Friday night, and USC played on Saturday yesterday. So, I mean, those are two. New York doesn't have two sports, uh, two college teams like that. So. From a New York, L.A. perspective, right now, New York is not <laughs> definitely, you much prefer to be in L.A. shoes than New York shoes. It's interesting you bring up the Galaxy because they probably have the most loyal following of any L.A. team. People just love the Galaxy. They've been successful, had Landon Donovan for years. So I understand that. Before we get into our topics tonight, do you think that the San Diego, now L.A. Chargers, are ever going to find a following in Vegas with, I mean, in uh, L.A. with all this going on, I? No, I mean, they're drawing nothing. I mean, they're drawing no fans to their games, but they're very good this year. They're going to make the playoffs. They're good. It would be amazing if the Rams and the, and the Chargers made it to the Super Bowl and all LA, and all Los Angeles Super Bowl played in Atlanta. But, uh, no, I, and also I don't think the Clippers. I mean, 
the Clippers are going to have problems even in this town, too. I mean, they had, at one point, I mean, they were getting outdrawn by the Lakers, and they had Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan, yeah. and all the superstars, and the Lakers still were, the tickets were three times more to go to a Laker game without even Kobe playing in it. So, from an L.A. perspective, this is the Lakers town, this is Dodgers town, and this is going to be a Rams town. You're listening to Ira on Sports. It's the True Oldies channel. Ira's on the line, uh, direct from L.A. That's why we're discussing this. It's crazy to think that like this team just won't catch on and that's another thing do you think you know before we get into our topics for tonight do you think the clippers are held back by not being that you know pretty and 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 emblazoned franchise like you said they had a really good team four years ago and they weren't drawing what the lakers were doing and their lakers are drafting in the lottery every year do you think that the clippers can ever eclipse what the lakers have done 40 and 30 years ago to make them you know credible no, I mean, I think everyone keeps thinking. I mean, I definitely think it's how, like in basketball, it's really hard to have a two. It's very hard. I think you, I think it doesn't work. They play in the same arena. I mean, people forget yeah. the Clippers used to be in San Diego. Then they moved to Anaheim. But now they play, if they played in Orange County, it'd be different. But they play in the exact same arena the Lakers play in. I just don't think they're ever going to catch on. And I think that there's going to be some point they'll move to Seattle uh, if, if they're for a team because Seattle is dying for a basketball team and they would sell out every game. Their owners from Seattle. Uh, I just think it's going to happen someday that they'll move to Seattle. Oh, that's right. Steve Ballmer is the owner, right? Microsoft fame. So, yeah, right. he's, yeah he's wanting to uh, get that team up there. I didn't think about that. This is the kind of insight you get on Ira on Sports here on the True Oldies channel. Okay. World Series in the books. Um, you know what? I, I thought Boston was going to win. I I just didn't think it'd be that easily or that quickly. Let's go through games one and two um, at you know in Boston. How did that shake down and what was the issues that the Dodgers seemed to face with those those amazing pitchers of Boston? First of all, it is fun to be in an opposing, in a town watching the World Series. Like, because I'm a Pirate fan. So I like, you know, I don't have a, I don't, I don't really, this wasn't like I have a favorite team of the Dodgers and Red Sox. They're both the enemy to everybody. They have more money, more players. But I watched it in LA in a bar called Goal, which I love on West 3rd Street. It's owned by Kevin Connolly, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's all celebrities own it. It's a great sports bar. It has like eight TVs on one side, eight TVs on the other side, one big screen. It is a cool bar. I mean, I was there watching on Tuesday night. There's Leonardo DiCaprio. There's Kevin Connolly. There's other actors in the place. I mean, it was, it was a pretty cool place to be in the environment. It was loud. The fans were in the game. So it was like neat to be. We're not, no, you're not at the stadium, but it was fun because you're watching Boston and you're not uh, 30 degrees like it was in Boston. But... I mean, for a game one, and we talked about it on the, on the air on Monday, uh, Kershaw on sale, it was the first time that Clayton Kershaw pitched at Fenway Park. It's the first time in 200 starts that when Kershaw pitched, he was an underdog. Crazy to think about. So, I mean, yeah. it's like, it's just tremendous to see what was going to happen. And the Sox go up 2-0, Betts and Benatendi and Martinez on hits. Then the Dodgers came back, made it 2-1. The Dodgers were able, you know, the Dodgers at 3-3 in the fifth inning. But in the bottom of the fifth, Bats walked, Benatene singled, and then they pulled Kershaw in the bottom in the in the uh, in the bottom of the fifth, only throwing seventy nine pitches. I mean, it's three three. They pull him only throwing seventy nine pitches. They bring Madsen in, and this Mark Madsen is definitely going to be a story of the series because they lost they lost four games, and in three of those four losses, 
he was the guy that gave the go-ahead runs, or at least got them caught back. I mean, he was terrible, terrible. And it just shows you how statistics are so bad, because he pitched three games, inherited every runner he inherited scored, and yeah. <laughs> he only gave up about one run, which is the home run he had in game game four. But um, uh, after the seven-night pitch, they put Matson in, and then the Sox were able, just on a wild pitch, and a single, and suddenly they were up 5-3, and uh, they ended up winning the game. You know, And then in the seventh inning, uh, Nunez, who had a great series. I mean, there was about five Dodgers, five Red Sox, you could say was the MVP. It was not clear yeah, who was absolutely. the MVP. But Nunez, who had a great, he comes in, he, he was supposed to start game one. They put him in, and, and Cora, the manager, said, you're going to come in at the most important spot of the game, and you're going to win this game for us. And he did. He had a three-run home run, turning a 5-4 game into an 8-4 game, and for that first, you know, first victory. And, I mean, the big story was that they didn't start, you know, who the Dodgers, I mean, the issue was that they were having left-handers, and so they didn't start, they left a lot of home runs on the bench. Bellinger with 25 home runs. Max Muncy with 35 home runs. Uh, Peterson with 25 home runs. That's 70, you know, 700 and some home runs on the year because they're left-handed hitters. They didn't want to have left-handers yeah. against righties. And this, and the Dodgers do have a lot of players that have played. They have a lot of injuries this year. But Muncy has been their key hitter. Not to, pl- not to start a Bellinger was the MVP of the NLCS. I mean, it's like... I just, it's like if Tom Brady, you're like, I don't know we're going to use him because that team plays well against a right-hander quarterback than a left-handed quarterback. I mean, he's your star player. I don't care if it's lefty or righty. you got to put him in. You so know, that Ira. Was, that was in game one. Ira, this is going back. I, I wanted to hear your opinion on this before we get to game two. Um it- you know, the national media was blasting Dave Roberts for a lot of his personnel decisions. I personally was as well. How were they dealing with that in L.A.? Because there was some just head-scratching decisions like you're talking about. Well, in game, when he pulled Rich Hill after 70, yeah. uh, after 79 pitches in, in game four with a four uh, four nothing lead. Uh, at that point, you know, they, there were fans that thought they were going to rush on the field. Like when they saw them come <laughs> out there, there were fans. I, I was sitting next to fans. I thought they were going to rush. They, I mean, and then Red Sox fans are like, they're saying the MVP should go to Dave Roberts. I mean, that, there, there's no doubt in their mind they go Dave because really the Dodgers should have won one of those games in Boston. And, and I'm absolutely, this from, how many National League teams really have 14, 15 players? The problem in the series, and when you're there and you watch it every single bat. Every single, every single hitter, every single pitcher. The problem for a lot of these National League teams is they really don't have like seven good players, six good hitters, and then the last two of them, shortstop, yeah. the second baseman isn't that good, and then they bring in, and they really don't have nobody else that could be the DH. The Dodgers had like five people that could be the DH. It all had 20-some home runs. I mean, they can play like an American League team in American League Park, so they're not hurt by the fact that they have to now put a hitter that is like a 200 average with 15 home runs as a DH. They can put a 35-home run guy as their DH. That's the advantage the Dodgers have. They should have taken one of these games in Boston, and they are good enough to take one of these games, and they just didn't, and a lot of it is what Roberts did, starting a lineup. I mean, when you don't even have your best players to begin the game, I just I just think you've got to play them. I know they don't hit left-handers. I know Roberts manages by the computer. It's all by the computer. Absolutely. And, uh, and I just, sometimes you just, I mean, if the computer says don't give the ball to Tom Brady, you're still giving it to Tom Brady to throw the ball. Like, there's got to be a point where your star players have got to start. I mean, and so computer says don't have LeBron in the game in this situation. If you don't look at the computer, you put LeBron in the game. I'm not comparing Bellinger to LeBron and, and Muncy to LeBron, but you, there's just situations you know that your best players have got to be on the field. You, you hit it on the head, and I think that analytics has taken way too far in today's league. It's 
all about what the computer says is going to happen versus seeing that this guy's dominating every guy that comes to the plate or vice versa. And, and they did just, they played it weird. If I'm Dave Roberts, I'm a little bit scared for my job. And I know that sounds ridiculous going to a World Series, but you coached yourself out of it. Like you said, Ira, I think two, at least one of the two games in Boston could have been taken by the Dodgers. Regardless, Boston is your world champ. 718, Ira on sports, 95.9, true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsama. All right, let's go to game two. David Price finally starting to get some redemption on really an awful postseason career versus uh, Hugh Jin Ryu. Well, it was, <laughs> that was a weird game because Price, again, you thought, wow, he's just, you know, here's a guy came in the postseason, 0-8 in the postseason, and uh, getting with a $30 million contract. But he pitched well in the previous series against the Yankees and uh, in the, in, in, in the Astros, I mean. And, you know, and then, and, you know he, so he was pitching better. But still, now it's the World Series. Now there's all the pressure. But, again, the Red Sox took the lead 1-0. Uh, the Dodgers were able to, you know, take the – Dodgers were then able to take the lead back 2-1. Um, but then in the bottom of the fifth, Rue had 69 pitches and bases loaded. They pull him. So it's, it's, it's 2-1, they take him out. Madsen comes in, you know, the same guy from game one. Mark Madsen comes in, and he, and he walks a run in. And then Martinez, J.D. Martinez, the single. Suddenly the Red Sox are up 4-2. And uh, they coasted the rest of the way. Interesting stats about that game, you know, the 4-2 victory. The last 16 Dodgers were out by the Red Sox, but with a, with a whole cadre of pitchers pitching, the relief crew, which getting criticized. The last time that happened in a World Series game, 1956, Game 5, Don Larson's perfect game. That's how poorly the, the Dodgers hit in the, in the final of those games. And I think, again, it goes back to the fact that you don't have these starters. You don't have guys like Muncie in the game to the beginning. You don't have Bellinger to start. They have to get into the groove of the game and just saving them till later. And then it's, I just, I was a mistake. But it was a bad loss. And, but Price pitched great. I mean, he, he, he did what he had to do to win that game. And, and, and that was a, it was a, it was a, it was a definitely a big victory. I mean, he gave up zero runs in, in Game 5 of, of the uh, National American Championship Series, and he gave up two runs in this game. So in 12 innings, he had two runs. You know what? One of the, that's a, a damning stat, and that David Price is that bad. You want to hear a really bad stat, Ira? Clayton Kershaw is, has a 6.06 ERA in elimination games for his career. That's the worst the worst among all starters ever with at least four attempts. And, and we saw that as, as the series went on. Maybe he's not the big game pitcher that we thought. Maybe David Price is stepping up. Let's go to L.A., though. You were there for every game. You have some really good stories from this, too. So I want to hear all about every game. You're, you're you know, two, three rows off the infield. So tell us about what happened being so close in a city like Los Angeles. Well, I, I got lucky. I mean, I definitely got amazing tickets for this World Series through a combination of a zillion factors. But it was really cool. And in Game 3, 18 in a game, <laughs> I mean, the long, longest World Series game ever. Uh, now, remember, the game started there at 5 o'clock. So people in the East Coast, everyone's in bed at 3 in the morning. No one's staying up and watching it. But this game ended at 12. So, there's, so you could stay. I mean, the game started at 7.30. You know, and also, you're looking at someone who goes to – someone said, How, did you leave? I'm like, would I leave? I'd like go to a regular season game and stay. I mean, I, I'm the person who goes to like four NCAA games all day from 12 o'clock till midnight watching. So it doesn't bother me to watch an 18-inning exciting game. But it was pretty cool in the atmosphere. Again, when we talked about Game 5 of the NLCS – the weather is perfect. 
you're wearing jeans, you're wearing a short sleeve shirt. There was no shadows because it was later now, so there wasn't shadows, but it was just like perfect temperature. Maybe later in the game you might want to put a sweater on, but it was like just perfect. No wind, no rain, no nothing. But there were tons of fans. And I want to say at the 18-inning game was that we sat in the – there was four rows that are their Lexus seats, and then there's the, then the, the other lower seats started. That was the first row of that other row. So I could look into the Lexus seats right behind the Red Sox dugout. So you could see what was happening in the dugout. You could see them when they were pitching. Pitchers were coming out. They were coming right towards us. And also you could see what was happening in those first four rows and of all the celebs. Not everybody's a celebrity, but it was a little. Jason Bateman, who a lot of people know is rest developed and everything. Love him, yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm going to give him the true fan award. I mean, this guy was in the first row behind the dugout from the from 5 o'clock till now. He took a break for some ice cream in the middle. We'll get about the ice cream a little later. But from 5 till 12.30. I mean, he was there the whole time waving, standing up, waving the towel. I got to give him credit. Jason Bateman, true L.A. Dodgers sports fan, tremendous. Then there's Dave Winfield, <laughs> Major League Hall of Famer. Really? Called Mr. May. Now, he didn't stand up and do anything. He sat next to Jason Bateman, and he didn't move, I think, for nine innings. I didn't see him move at all. Um, he did walk up at the seat, and then, like I sort of like waved over, and he did like a batting swing towards me, which was pretty cool. So, but he was a nice guy, and he, that was very nice. So that, it was Dave Winfield, Jason Bateman, and then I call. There was a two-strike guy. So the seats in those first four rows in that area are movable. So they're like, they're seats that you can just move around. There's these plastic chairs. So he would get up every time there's two strikes, and there were some empty seats around him. So he would, like, move, rearrange the chairs so that he could stand to his left. And then he'd come back and rearrange it just after the second strike, after something happened. So I call him two-strike guy because after 18 <laughs> innings, there's a lot of two-strike counts. And he was getting up and down the entire game and doing it on two strikes. And because he was sort of in front of you, I had to keep moving where I took my pictures because he was moving in front of me. And then the funniest couple was I call them the ice cream couple <laughs> because – they were sitting in the first row in the best seats. So they were now even closer, right to where the dugout circle is. They could look in the dugout. I mean, these are the Rudy Giuliani Yankee tickets that you see on TV and everything. I'm of sure course. everyone saw them on TV. <laughs> they were on there. Well, they, the, the girl paid absolutely no attention to this game. Like, every time there was, like, a key moment, they run back and get ice cream. And they come back. I think they had ice cream. <laughs> and they were thin. They were a thin couple. I think we were laughing. Because I recounted, like, seven times seven ice creams after, like, the sixth inning uh, with them. And it was always, and it was, like, two outs, two men on. And it was just funny to watch them. I don't know if they were celebrities or not, but it was just, it was very interesting to see the interaction. And then, of course, in the other games, there other stuff. Matt Damon was there. I saw Rob Lowe one game. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon were the, were game, was the game five. But it was just, it, it's, it's a scene in there. And then, like, the one thing I'll say about Dodgers, the, the fans, is that, and I saw it at the Laker game also, when people come in and sit, like, they don't just get into their seats. It is, I, I would call it like going to services, or if you're going, it's like they're hugging everyone, they're kissing everyone, they're, say, they're, they're, they're shaking the hands, they're telling a story. Like, just get to your seat and sit down. It is a whole conversation with everybody. It is this whole party where everyone's hugging each other and this and that. It's like, could everyone just sit down and can you talk a little later? You don't need to stand up and have this whole conversation. But it definitely went on the entire game. But that was my, that's my celebrity fill for <laughs> the Dodger game. Uh, it's 726. You're listening to Ira here on Ira on Sports 95.9 True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Let's get into the games themselves. Uh, game four, that was a game that after that game, Ira, you knew it was over. I mean, 
the, the fact that it took them so long to battle, I, I just didn't see, I don't know, it was a great game, but I knew that Boston was going to come back ready to go in Game 5. Tell us about it. Well, Game 3, game three was, I mean, yeah. well, well, game three was the 18th inning game. Yeah, that, and that's what they I mean. And then won Game 4 and Game 5. So Game 3 was when it just, I mean, the Dodgers started Bueller. They had to call Ferris Bueller. Upcoming Fina And Porcello pitched for, for, the, for the Red Sox. And it was, I guess, Bueller's pitched great in these playoffs. I mean, he started the Walker game. I mean, he has played fantastic. And the Dodgers in the third, it, it was one of the most exciting baseball games. I know it's 18 innings, but it was like every pitch mattered. Every time when a game's that close and teams are with one run each other, the entire game, anything. It's like you could not turn. You could not leave. You had to watch because it was so close. So, I mean, they went through five innings, and it was like it was in the bottom of the third, Peterson home run, hit a home run, so it's one nothing Dodgers. And then they take, they take the Red Sox take Porcello out. And then in the eighth inning, so they're, they're one nothing the whole game, and Jansen, the closer for the Dodgers, their yeah. starter closer comes in. In the eighth inning, Bradley hits a home run. Now it's 1-1. And then the funny thing when you're at the game, you might not see it on TV so much, Cora would come out and move the outfielders around totally. Like J.D. Martinez, the issue was, is J.D. Martinez going to start in left field with bats and how they were going to do it because he's usually the designated hitter and they don't have a position for him in the National League Park. But he would just move. He would flip their outfielders. almost. It was, it was almost like football. They literally were moving around every single batter, depending if it's a lefty or righty or how they were going to show, because they wanted to protect Martinez. Wherever the people wouldn't hit, they put Martinez. So they put him in either left field or right field, and bats would move around. So it's pretty neat to watch them just moving. It was, the whole time it was like secondary, as like a secretary in defense. And in the bottom of the ninth, the Red Sox put Price in the game, and uh, Bellinger got it, was on for first base, but then they threw him out. So it was like, oh, my God, like, that was the chase out the Dodgers were going to do that. And then you get in the extra innings. And the difference in the extra innings is that when you hit second, there's always the pressure, I think, on the Red Sox. Because if the Red Sox even scored, the Dodgers would have a chance to come back. Yeah. And with the pitchers hitting, that became a problem because you're running out of pitchers, running out of hitters. In the 17th inning, Kershaw actually hit because they had to bring it in, ran out of, out of pitchers. Um, and then, but in the tenth inning, Martin, this was ridiculously key. Martinez walks. Kinsler, they took him out. They took the star out. They put Ian Kinsler in. Who I didn't really play it much. He walks. holds singles. And then Nunes flies out. Fly, Nunes flies out at the center field. And Bellinger throws Kinsler out. I swear, everyone said Bellinger had a great throw. I, Kinsler had to make that. He had to. He got the slowest jump, and then he didn't slide. If he would have slid, the game would, he would have, they would have won the game. That would have been the game. But he didn't, didn't slide, got it out. So then it goes the 10th, you know, the 11th, the 12th, the 3rd. And then the 13th was exciting because at first, Nunez is hilarious. Nunez is at that. He, he goes and he, he, uh, he hits the ball. It was, um, he swings, and the catcher went to, and ran right into him. Barnes crashed into him, knocked him on the ground. He was hurt for like four minutes, like lying on the ground. They thought he was going to take out of the game. Then they finally put him back. Then he hits an infield single, and as he's running to first base, he trips and falls, just gets the first, beats the tag, causes the air, and, uh, and is then lying on the ground again. But then, they, uh, but then they, sc- they score in the 13th. But in the bottom of the 13th, they, uh, uh, again, so they have their leading uh, 2-1, but in the bottom of the 13th, the Dodgers, on, it was two outs, game's over, they're going to do it, they hit to Kinsler, Kinsler makes a horrendous error, and the Dodgers, and it, all he had to do was throw it to first base, and the worst case scenario is in first and third, he throws an error, now it's 2-2, now it's, uh, uh, and it just kept going on every, you know, it's just like amazing how it, now the 14th, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th innings, um, the bottom of 15th, Max Muncy hit a ball that was 
an inch away, it seemed like, from hitting a home run. Everyone thought it was a home run, but it didn't. Um, and Evaldi, for, the Dodgers were using a pitcher every inning, but the uh, Red Sox used Evaldi, and, uh, and he pitched six innings, and he, and he finally gave up a home run to Muncie at the end. Um, the most amazing thing about all those innings was they stopped serving food after nine innings, and people oh, were wow. starving. Like, everyone was like, where's, I could not believe it, 40,000 people, and people said, how many stayed? I would say 80% of people stayed until the end of the game. And there was no food. The set, they weren't serving beer. They weren't serving anything. No food at all. And then, like, someone came down with some ice cream and a hot dog. And, like, oh, there's a stand in the third level that is selling <laughs> something. And people are rushing to get food. I mean, if I had a vending outside, I'd probably throw the food inside to the, to the game. But, um, you know, it was the longest World Series game ever. Ever, yeah. Um, it was the third longest game of all time. Uh, and uh, of, of any game that was ever on time. And the funny stat was that uh, in 1939, the entire World Series took four games, the Reds against the Yankees. The Yankees took the Reds seven hours and five minutes. This took seven hours and 20 minutes. So it was, uh, it was truly one of the most amazing games. But after the game's over, you really think, now it's 2-1 dot, it's 2-1 Red Sox, but you're like, Oh my gosh, the Red Sox had a chance to go 3-0. They had a chance to end this. Yeah. That was their chance, and they failed at it. And I thought the Dodgers, I'm like, Dodgers might have, this might, you know, now the Red Sox always score runs. I thought it was, it thought now the Dodgers have made it a series, but then we go to game four. So. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. This was an epic World Series game. And I regret going to bed in the 12th. I just couldn't do it anymore, I. I know you're on the West Coast, but here on the East Coast, 12th inning, I'm like, all right, I'm going to bed. And then obviously a run each in the 13th and then another five innings to get to that Max Muncy home run. Either way, heck of a World Series. I'm glad you were there uh, for almost all of it. Um, game four, it seems like the the balls just didn't want to carry, I. Do you want to talk about that? That Through the whole series, it seems like they were hitting the balls and it just, you know... And it seems so many, uh, so many balls were hit to the dead center field, left, right, right. It just everything, everyone hit the ball. It's like, oh, but then, and there's always fielders where they were the backs against the walls and they were able to get it. But, uh, finally, I mean, this is a game. This was without a doubt, if it's going to anything about Roberts is that the Dodgers, okay, they just came back in game, in game three. Okay. So two one and then Puig hits a three run home run. They go up, they go up four nothing in the game. Okay. It's top of the seventh. Rich Hill, their pitcher, is pitching a one-hitter. Like, this is, like, tremendous. He's only thrown 91 pitches, a one-hitter. He walks Bogarts in the top of the seventh, but then they bring Nunez, and then he strikes out Nunez. Roberts comes out, and, and they take him out of the game. And I'm like, no, this is your chance to tie the series 2-2. Let Rich Hill, I mean, that's someone who's seen Kurt Schilling through 140 pitches. You've seen Randy Johnson. I mean, those pitchers, like, like will stay in forever. You're taking him out. Of, he was lights out, one hit. A tremendous pitching, and he wasn't tired. They take him out. Who they bring in? Madsen. <laughs> and then Moreland pitches. Then Cora pinches uh, Moreland for the manager for the Red Sox. Pinches Moreland, who hits a three-run home run. So it's 4-3. Four, 4-3. Three. Four, three. But now you go to the eighth thing, you're like, still, the Dodgers are like, okay, we gave the three-run home run. We're going to bring Jansen in. We're going to close the game out. Jansen comes in. He gives up a home run to Pierce to begin the MVP, tied at 4-4. Four, four. And, the, and then in the ninth inning, uh, it was just the, the floodgates finally opened for the Red Sox. And they, Pierce had another double. They, score, uh, they, 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 they end up scoring. It was 9-4. They gave up two runs in the ninth, but uh, make it 9-6. But it was just finally the Red Sox. I mean, to think about this game, the Red Sox went from 18 innings, another seven, 25 innings. They only gave up two runs. And then suddenly uh, they only scored two runs in 25 innings, and then they scored seven runs in an inning or two innings. 
So, uh, but then you're right. Going into Game Five, it was Kershaw and Pierce and uh, Price. And uh, look, Clayton Kershaw in the next 48 hours could declare himself a free agent. But in the regular season, he's one of the greatest pitchers. I mean, he's the greatest pitcher of our generation. Is two three nine ERA. But in the postseason, four three two ERA. He's 153 and 69 in the regular season, nine and ten in the postseason. Same thing, almost the same ERA this price. year. Play. Regular yeah. season, two seventy five. Postseason, four twenty. And uh, the first inning gave up home run. I mean, they're down, they're down two zero in the first inning. And it was like last year when Darvish of the Astros. The Astros went up five nothing in the second inning, in Game Seven. I was there for that. And it's just like the air just the went game out of the go- stadium. I mean, it's almost like the team. Ira, the air was gone watching it on TV. And- you you knew on TV what? the air was gone from that stadium after Darvis just completely imploded. I can't imagine being there because it was just watching it here. We were like, well, this series is over. Right, and it was and it was it wasn't just over now because it, then it was three one. But then the weird thing is, at one point, Bats was one for fifteen or zero for fourteen. Martinez two one for eleven. So these are their two guys that are one two in the MVP. Bats and Martinez, best players in baseball the whole season. They haven't hit at all. They're hitting 350. They hit 30 home runs. They have nothing in the World Series. I'm like, I turn to people next to me and say, they are totally due. And then each of them hits a home run. So then they go up and they go up 5-1. And then it was exciting because then the Red, then the Red Sox put, Sale, put Kelly in and the A2 pitch great. And then in the ninth inning, it's up 5-1. They don't bring their closer in. They just bring Chris, Chris Sale, who's supposed to pitch game six. They don't hold him back. He's coming in. He's ending it right then. And, you know, and they, the last... Uh, three, there was like six strikeouts of the game. The last outs of the game for so the Dodgers was six straight strikeouts. So and, th- and they were all strikeouts swinging. So five one, and uh, the Red Sox are the champions. And and it was just to be there to see every inning, to be at Dodger Stadium. And people ask me, I want to say there were that game five had tons of Red Sox fans. After the game was over, you couldn't even tell when there was a close out. Like really? the Red Sox fans were cheering so loud, you didn't know. Like you were confused. Was that a home run? Was that a foul ball? Was that fair ball? Was that a strike? Was it a ball? Usually in their stadium, you could tell it's a, what it is. You couldn't tell because the Red Sox fans were cheering so loud. You were you were almost in Fenway Park. Going back to two thousand one, there's only been three years where a Boston team did not win a championship. That's amazing. I mean, just absolutely devastates what people have, you know, have seen, especially in smaller cities. One thing that's noticeable is that Boston seems to be really good in the first 18 years of a decade or of a century. They're not so good in the next 82 of that century. So we're hoping for that. But Ira, you think there's a real Boston LA rivalry here that people aren't really noticing? I don't think they're noticing it yet, but they will because if you look at the Rams, I think the Rams and Patriots are certainly, as a Steelers fan, I think we're going to, and the Chiefs, baby. It's a collision course. If you're looking at it, the Rams, it, the Rams, the Rams and the Patriots look like they're the collision course maybe for the Super Bowl. You have now have the Dodgers and the Red Sox, and they might meet again next year in the, in the World Series. And in basketball, you have LeBron, and I love this team with the Lakers, and we'll hopefully talk, we'll talk about them a little later. And you have the Lakers versus the Celtics, who have the best team in the East. So you might have three of those sports, and who knows about the Bruins and the and the Kings? But and the Gal- I don't know who the Galaxy would play. But <laughs> definitely from these big sports, is, and, and as he says, the New York teams are sort of not in this mix that we're talking about right here. It's a, sort of Boston and L.A. So, and it was so funny. There was a point in the game 
where uh, they they chanted the bad. Yeah, they were all chanting a, a term oh, I saw. the radio, but against the Yankees. So you had the Dodger fans and the Red Sox fans chanting the bad Yankee chant at the same time. That was the unit. The Yankees were the unifying force for both teams. No, absolutely it was. By the way, New England Revolution would be who the Galaxy would play if we're keeping this going. 738 Iron Sports True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Let's go on to football. You know, Ira, I had no expectations for the Dolphins on Thursday night. They do awful in primetime games. They're 0-4 career uh, in Monday in Thursday night games. They're playing their backup quarterback. I thought the game would be a little bit closer than it was. Dolphins, though, get just absolutely drubbed by the Texans. And the Texans, we talked last week about sneaky good and the, the Chargers being sneaky good. I think that the Texans might be starting to slide into that area where you got to watch out for these guys because Deshaun Watson could throw five touchdowns and you might get sacked nine times by Watt and Clowney. Well, I mean, I think Bill O'Brien, the coach who was the former coach of Penn State, is coach of Texans. It seems like he's been on the hot seat for like the last three years. And suddenly they're winning and they're five and three. And Watson was 16 for 20 with five touchdowns. And the Dolphins, it started out, you know, they lost four out of five games. You know, they really are not, and they can't outscore these teams. They can't fall behind like the Lions the week before. They, they just can't get behind and come back. They can't mount that. They really need to take that lead. And the Dolphins are looking what the Dolphins are. Now, the good thing for the Dolphins are, as we talked about earlier, they got those four wins, so now they're sort of in the mix with teams because they, if, if they, can, but they don't look like a team that's going to win six out of the next eight games. No. They look like a team that's probably going to be four and four or three and five. Or that, you know, they're not going to do it. They don't, they're not playing well enough to, to make the playoffs. I think that they're... I'd hate to say this because I do support the Dolphins, but I think that they're in the position where they're ready for a new quarterback and they don't mind if they lose out and get a top five draft pick and go for it, which I think is disgusting. I think Tannehill does have something in the tank, and I don't think there's anything better coming in this draft, but I think that's how the front office is playing, and obviously Gase shouldn't be because I think his job's on the line here. Um, but it just the, the way they, they come in week in and week out, Brock Osweiler wasn't awful in that game. He wasn't good, but he wasn't awful. Their, their defense is poor. Their offensive line is mediocre at best. It's a long season for the Dolphins. They've got a lot of things to work on. Steelers, though, this was a game, Ira, you're going to hate me for this, but I bet the Browns, they were getting 10 points, and I was like, you know what, this is an AFC North matchup, I can see the Browns giving you guys a little bit of trouble. Little did I know that James Conner was going to give a lot of trouble to everybody in Cleveland, tell us about that game. Well, first of all, the good thing about it is when you're in L.A., you're going to watch the Steelers game, and I want to watch all the other games. So I go to the goal place, and they were so nice. I mean, there were tons of Redskins fans and Cowboys, Redskins and Giants fans in the bar, but they were so nice. And I come in there, and I'm like, where's the Steelers game? And they go, we're putting it for you on the big screen. So they put it on the big screen, and That's I cool. the sound. So it was great that I was there. And Kevin Connolly walked in later. He says, Ira, you're turning my bar into a Steelers bar. What's going on? <laughs> so I thought that was, it was great to have that game on, but... Levy and Bell, who? I mean, really, James Conner, I have in my fantasy team, 24 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns, five catches, 66 yards receiving. And if you just watch the game, he just ran like a running back. I mean, he ran like, I'm going to say like O.J. Simpson a little bit. You know, like where he was. Ooh, I like that comparison. No, he does run like O.J., that upright kind of, yeah, I like it. Yeah, like he could, but he was fast enough that he could like fight through a tackle and then he just keeps running and he was able to, but someone, there was a point where I think one of the defensive linemen jumped on his back and it's like, and then suddenly the defensive line was thrown off. I mean, it was like a kind of a cartoon. It wasn't even like playing. <laughs> and then everyone said, oh, Antonio Brown and Ben Rotzenberger, bad Wi-Fi, good Wi-Fi. Well, 
He had two electrifying touchdown passes, six, percent, six passes for 74 yards and two touchdowns. But the Steeler D stepped up. T.J. Watt, one sack, two tackles for loss. Steven Seven, two at one sack, two tackles for loss. The defense really shut down Mayfield and the Browns. Such so much that uh, the coach, they fired their coach and the offensive coordinator yeah. after the game. <laughs> but I did want to say one thing about the game. That was the only thing that kept the Browns in is that the, the, the Steelers got a safety on, on the Browns when the Browns held in the end zone. So that's great. The Steelers took a league. They were up, got the safety. They're going to easily win this game. The Browns kick the ball to the Steelers, and the Steelers, it's not a free kick. It's not a punt. So they just let the ball, like, roll between yeah. <laughs> Antonio Brown and two other guys. They're just watching the ball, and it's a free ball. So the Browns just dump, jump on the ball and get, like, an 80-yard play on that yeah. by just jumping on the ball. But then they missed the field goal. So even though the Steelers were terrible, they, they couldn't score and missed the field goal. Poor Cleveland just has, you know, on top of the woes, they can't find a kicker. I didn't even know the guy's name, who they subbed in for this week. And then, yeah, he missed that field goal there. It was a little ugly. Going back to the Antonio Big Ben thing, come on, Ira. Brown, he made those touchdowns. This guy is, he's the best receiver in football. And there's no question, you can have the speed and size of Julio. But Antonio Brown made those two touchdowns happen with his ability. It it was amazing, I. Yeah, it's great. I mean, he's fun to watch, and they're definitely, I think, I, look, the comment that Ben had is that first game against the Browns, he hurt his, his elbow. He looks like he's, you know, just, and you know, now with the Connor, I mean, they just, and they took the air of the ball. I'm, I'm saying teams win in this league now because you've got to score, you've got to have the game, but you've got to have that running game. And that's what the Eagles don't have. And, 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 and some of these teams that don't have this running game that cannot, you can't, you just got to just, you got to just take those first downs, and with five minutes to go in the game, you've got to run that clock. The Rams can do it. The Rams can do it. The Steelers can do it. Um, the Patriots probably can do it too. Uh, but uh, there's some teams that, that we think are good, like the Eagles. Uh, they can't run at all. And I think that if you cannot run the ball, you're going to give the ball back to the other teams at the end of the game to win the game. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about NFL action here on Ira on Sports at 744. I'm Mike Balsamo. I think Super Bowl hangover is an absolute thing. Unless you're the Patriots. And even they have trouble repeating. They'll always get back to the year after that. Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year. They're struggling. Um, The Jacksonville Jaguars had their best season since Mark Brunel 20 years ago, last year. And they look even worse. This was a game, Ira, I was expecting the Eagles to win handily. And I feel like they did control most of that game, even if, you know, the score was uh, 24 to 18. I don't know about the, the, either of these teams, Ira. I, I think that the Eagles are in a position where they should. They're a better team than the Redskins. I don't think they're going to catch them, though. And I think that the Jaguars need to move on from Bortles. What are you thinking? The Jaguars should move on for Bortles, one. But two, the Eagles did not look impressive. I, no, they look like crap. They, they play, they're playing England, watching the game at 6.30 in the morning in L.A., uh, but the Jaguars have lost five games in a row. And we talked after three games that they are going to have the, national, the, the, the championship game in Jacksonville. They're not going to make the playoffs now. They are no. out, they're two games out of the playoffs, let alone um, they have no rushing game without Fournette. Um, Bortles, I'm not going to play Bortles. I think the defense, especially the defense, was, was part of an issue where they weren't, didn't pay a bill and they got in a fight with people and they still weren't suspended because they didn't have anybody to play. They couldn't suspend the players because they couldn't play the game then. Um, and when they were it, going playing in England is a tough thing to do for that. But and usually these games are very sloppy anyway. But, yeah, I'm expecting slop in London. Yes, but it wasn't. But it was not a very no. It was not a very 
uh, good game. But but the Eagles, I just they have no running game. You know, they just don't run the ball well, and uh, I just think that that's gonna that, again that's gonna come back to haunt them, and, and that's why uh, they end up winning the game by four and four. I mean, the Eagles are gonna finish eight and eight. I don't think they're gonna, and I don't think they're gonna have this great run in them. And and I and Wentz is playing great, but Wentz is not uh, gonna put. They have a lot of problems. The Eagles have a lot of problems. And the defense is not like the defense is like what the defense was last year, which was inconsistent. Also, no, you're absolutely right. And this is not a Super Bowl caliber team. It's not even a playoff caliber team, like you said. I'm not going to be. I'm an NFC East fan, as everyone here knows. I'm a Giants fan. I'm not going to be surprised when the Redskins roll to the to this division title. Uh, I mean, the Eagles just look like a shell of their former self. And I think it gets back to you. How much credit goes to Garrett Blount? I mean, this guy just, every team he goes to wins a Super Bowl. You lose LeGarrette Blount, who just punches in everything from six yards. Jay Ajayi was your big acquisition last year that turned the team around or turned you know them on, and he's out for the season. So the Eagles just don't look like that team that's on the way up. They look like they're on the way down. Speaking of coming up, Ira, I got to tell you, I kind of like the Bears. I, I don't know why. Great defense now with the addition of Khalil Mack, but Mitch Trubisky is showing me every week that he's an NFL quarterback. I knew it was going to take a little while, and there's a lot of pressure dumped on you on your shoulders as a rookie that they traded up for to get last year. He looks good, though, and, and I really like the way the Bears are coming together. They beat a Jets team that is so devoid of talent, I can't even grade Sam Darnold right now. I have no I have no opinion on him because there's nothing around him. But the Bears look pretty good, and they, they beat a Jets team that's been playing good defense. Well, uh, the bear, the Bears are to me the Rams. The Rams last year, where you can see now they have their quarterback. When they made the trade to the Blitzky, it was just amazing. They went two two spots in the draft and gave a zillion picks, and people thought it was insane. Yeah. but it's not insane when you have a, a star quarterback like him. Mean, Sixteen for twenty nine, two hundred twenty yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. But they have Tariq Cohn, who is the running back, like Ty, like Tyrone, like Hill, like in Kansas City. They have a lot of the Kansas City look in terms of they just maybe are missing a couple pieces that work around, but their defense is there. They're like kids with that defense. They look, they look more like the Rams, but they look like a team that I don't know this year they're going to do it. They're going to have a good record this year, going to make the playoffs. But next year, I think that they're one of the favorites. They look, they look, they are, they play, play great. And the defense gets better every week. And not that the Jets are, you know, some powerhouse, but you got to beat the teams on your schedule. And Isaiah Crowell was having 200 yard games, you know, just a week ago. And they completely shut everything down. Bears defense, like you said, I think this is a team that's a great comparison because they could be the Rams next year if they start putting more pieces together and get that. I think they still need a solid number one. I'm not sure Allen Robinson is the number one wide receiver, uh, you know, of any team's future. So we'll have to look at that. It's 748 Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. Speaking about looking to the future, Ira, the Buccaneers, we've been debating this on this show for weeks. What do you do here? Jameis Winston comes in and just, for lack of a better word, sucks. And Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> comes in with a quarter to play and ties the game. Uh, what's your take on this game? And if you're running the box, who are you starting this week? They already announced it's Fitzpatrick, but what do you think? Well, actually, for the NFL this week, this was it was not really good games. I mean, there wasn't, you know, there's been some weeks where we have four or five games, and I always like that time between four o'clock when there's like four or five when you're at a bar and there's like four or five good games going on, you're watching. There was really like everything was over, and the games were over quick because teams had the lead and were just running the, the clock out. Yeah. This one was going to be like that 34 uh, 16. Uh, Winston throws four interceptions, and we give stats all the time. You know, 
Four interceptions is a lot of interceptions. I mean, he's he's That's thrown a lot. Interception. He's every every possession ends in interception. He's only played a few games, um, but Fitzpatrick came back. Evans had him. You know, I, I just the wide receivers should just demand that Fitzpatrick's their quarterback because they all have great games when he's a quarterback. And then he was just named the starter for next week, which is huge because. Uh, at this point now, are they going to move forward? Is it? I mean, it's just, it's just. If they're not going to start, I mean, they're three and four. Um, I don't know where they go. I mean, this is like a coach is battling for his job. Everyone's battling for the job. Uh, it seems like that that was James. James Winston could not afford a, a four interception game, and he just got one. So that was, I think, what hurt them. But it was, it was exciting. And Fitzpatrick, you can see though the team plays exciting around him. Like they do. The team in the game, it was jumping up and down. It was a lot more excitement. Um, and uh, I, the team seems to want him as their quarterback. And Winston, it's just, he, but he's not the quarterback of the future. But I don't think Winston's the quarterback of the future either for them. And you know what? It's a fact about motivating people. Deshaun Jackson was asking for a trade on Sunday morning. Once Ryan Fitzpatrick came in the game, like you said, Deshaun Jackson's celebrating on the sideline because he knows he's going to get looks. And it didn't turn into points for him, but Ryan Fitzpatrick knew this guy wants the ball and he was trying to force the ball almost too much to him. Evans obviously ended up getting open off that and the team looked better. You're right. He's not the, the quarterback of the future. But when you're looking at the quarterback of the present who throws four interceptions and a half, you got to be a little bit uh, concerned about that if you're a Tampa Bay fan. Um Let's go. Uh, let's go to the Chiefs and Broncos. This was probably the game of the week, and I, I, I thought that the Chiefs were just going to roll over the Broncos. The Broncos held in there pretty well, though, Ira. But still, we got the result we thought, and the best team in the AFC is the Chiefs right now. Pat Mahomes, I mean, they're just amazing. I mean, they're. I mean, it's like I anybody who drafted the Chiefs in fantasy and they called stacked them and had Mahomes and anybody else on their team is winning their fantasy league. I mean, he is just. Amazing! I mean, twenty-six touchdowns so far this year. He's on a pace to have. He's going to have fifty touchdowns. He's going to break the record that that Peyton Manning had. Um, he is. They are. They, at every game, they have so many weapons. Sammy Watkins, eight catches, one hundred seventy yards, two touchdowns. Kelsey, the tight end, six catches, seventy-nine. Hill had three catches for seventy. I mean, Hunt runs well. They just have so many players. Their, yeah. their offensive line plays great. They're it, as I said. Once their defense, their defense, if they play a team and their defense could just. Just you know, just keep them in the game. A they have the worst bit. defense They're in the league. Now they didn't. They were up in this game. The score is a little not indicative of how close they were up thirty to fourteen, and then they gave up a couple of points at the end, and they sort of took the, the pedal off, the foot off the pedal. But the Chiefs are rolling. I mean, that's all. I, I was watching the whole game, and I just like they are so impressive offensively. They can score at will. It seems like whatever they want to score a touchdown, they can. And this is the NFL, and they can really. They're they're amazing. There's offense and Pat Mahomes. I mean, it's, with all these teams that were looking at past him, they're going to do these surveys about like how did everybody miss on Brady? I mean, every team could have drafted Pat Mahomes as their quarterback in four years from now when he has. Well, 300 touchdown passes, you know, they're going to be missing it. Well, not every team, because the Chiefs did trade up for him. So, obviously, Andy Reid knew what he was getting in Pat Mahomes and obviously sent Alex Smith packing because of it, and he was right once again on this kind of thing. 7.53, Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Uh, Redskins and Giants, nobody wants to talk about that disaster. I do want to talk about, you know, we talked last week about sneaky good. And I think that the Chargers are a sneaky good team. Another team that's getting no press anywhere is the Panthers. And granted, the Ravens aren't the best offense in the league, but they play a hell of a good defense. And they dropped 36 points on them. And Cam Newton, he doesn't win games the prettiest way, but he wins games. And I think this Panthers team really needs to be considered as the next echelon 
underneath L.A. in the NFC. What do you think, Guy? Well, the 5-2, and two, Cam Newton was 21 for 29, two touchdowns. I mean, they played a Ravens team that everyone thought was playing great. They took a 24-7 lead in the game and just coasted to the end. I mean, there, there was a half, the first half was 24-7, the game was over. Um, and they, it's just, it, they, Cam Newton, it's just, he figures out a way to win. When he plays well, when he plays smart, when they're healthy, um, the Panthers are a very good football team. When they were the Super Bowl a couple years ago, I mean, he took this team to a Super Bowl, so he knows how to win games. Yeah. There's some games when he, I think he, when he tries to do too much, when he just Absolutely. plays with himself, when he doesn't try to run every play and make every play, but he knows how to win games. They're five and two, and they're a team that's that's playoff bound. Uh, before we uh, wrap this up. Rams, Packers, we already know the, the result, 29-27. This game was closer than I thought. I thought the Rams were going to really beat them in just to prove a point in the NFC. But what do you think, and I'm sure you know this better than me because you're the financials guy, Todd Gurley taking a knee before going in the end zone. He ruined so many people's fantasy days, so many people's over-unders. There was a lot of people in Vegas not happy about Todd Gurley yesterday, Ira. Well, there's, well, first of all, I, I caught the tail end of the game because I was in the World Series watching it, so I saw the end, what was happening. First of all, the, the, the Rams take the lead, 29-27, and then they kick off to the Packers, and I, everyone said Ty Montgomery, they were told by Ty Montgomery of the, of the Packers, just take a knee, give it to Aaron Rodgers, let Aaron Rodgers score a field goal and call it a day. There's two minutes to go in the game. Aaron Rodgers can have the ball and need to score three points. Just end the game right there. Montgomery takes the ball out and fumbles it. The Rams get the ball. Then, of course, the Packers call the timeouts. But Gurley did a smart thing. They get the first down. I've seen so many times. Like, what Gurley's scoring right there, the Rams would have gone up, what, 36-27. That sounds great. With, like, a minute to go in the game, a minute and a half to go. But you're, now you're up. You're giving Rodgers the ball back. Rod, they could score. Then they get the onside kick, score again. You see how Rodgers throws. What? Just end the game. He did the smart thing. There's no other. That's, everybody should do that. that. It made sense. End the game. Don't keep playing. First of all, people can get hurt. Secondly, you don't want to give yep. Aaron Rodgers the ball. You don't want to give Aaron Rodgers the ball with three touchdowns to go. He, he, could, he can throw the ball 60, 70 yards on the fly. So it's a smart move. I did caught Gurley at tremendous credit. It was the smart. It was the only move to make in that situation. Ira, do you remember who the first running back you ever saw do this was? Because I do. There was a giant who did it, but tell me again. No, I, I remember Maurice Jones-Drew taking a knee probably like yeah, eight right, years Maurice, ago. You're right, you're right. Yeah, and everyone was like, what is he doing? Well, he's winning the game. <laughs> of course, you're, you want your fantasy team to score a touchdown, but he wants to run the clock out and kick a field goal here. It's Iron Sports, 756, True Oldies Channel. AFC, let, let's be honest, Ira, the AFC has pretty much shaped itself up already halfway through the season. What are you thinking? Chiefs seven and one, Pats five and two, Steelers four two and one, Texans five and three. I mean, Bengals and Chargers are going to get the wild cards, and really, the Titans, maybe Ravens and Dolphins. But Ravens and Dolphins are playing terrible. They have four losses, and you're looking at the Chiefs, the Pats, the Steelers, the Texans, the Bengals, and the Chargers as your teams. And uh, and the, the Bengals had a good win this week. Uh, the Chargers. I just let that those those five teams have really separated themselves, and I'd be our six teams. I'd be surprised if if those six teams uh, were not the six teams that made the playoffs. No, absolutely, uh, I agree with you there. It's funny how quickly things shape up in the AFC. NFC is still a mishmash of well, garbage outside of the LA Rams. Let's move on to college. Um, Oh, gosh. It's pretty much everything shaping up here, Ira. Um, some of the elite teams lost, too. So what are you thinking now as far as top 25 goes, and how do you see the rest of the season going for college? On Tuesday, the first rankings come out, so that's always exciting. 
this week was a really interesting week because teams like Washington at number 15 lost to Cal. Texas A&M, number 16, lost to Mississippi State. Number 17, Oregon loses to Arizona. Northwestern beats number 20, Wisconsin. Syracuse beats number 22, NC State. And that's why you see in the top 25 like teams like Fresno State, Utah State, because they have like one loss. You have all these teams that are semi, not the elite teams, but those bottom top yeah. the, the, between 10 and 20 just keep losing every week, and they're going to get up with four, four or five losses. And uh, But then the elite teams. I mean, I mean, in the ACC, I mean, Clemson looked tremendous. I mean, they don't score in the first quarter against FSU. It's 0-0. They scored 28 nothing in the second. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's playing the NFL right now. 20 for 37, 3 or 14 yards. The worst loss in the history of Florida State at home. Um, Francois is terrible at quarterback for them. And it was just, I mean, let's talk about Florida sports. Miami lost on Friday or Thursday, they lose 27 to 14 Friday to, to BC 27 to 14. And then, uh, Thursday and then Florida state loses 59, 14 and then Florida loses and the Jaguars lose the dolphins lose and the Buccaneers lose. <laughs> so, but, uh, but that was not a good, that good week in Florida. Other big games this week, Penn State, Iowa. I was able to catch that in the parking lot on TV. While I was waiting <laughs> to go in the Dodgers stadium. Um, Penn State's not playing well. Um, Iowa had a chance to win this game at the end. At the end of the game was the most. They ran a play. They were thirty to twenty-four with like a couple with like about a minute to go. They the receiver was open. He did not turn around at all. The quarterback threw him and almost hit him on the helmet. And the Penn State got wow. the interception. Um, but it was like a crazy play. Stanley, who's a quarterback for Iowa, everyone thinks is a great pro prospect. It was eighteen for forty-nine, two hundred yards, two interceptions. Looked absolutely horrendous. Like some of these uh, quarterbacks that everyone thinks are so good, I watched them play in college, and I'm like, they're never going to play in the NFL. Um, Texas had one loss. They lost to Oklahoma State. Um, and the big win was Kentucky beat Missouri. We're going to get back to that in a second. And the big game of the week was Georgia playing Florida. They're both 7-1. It was in Jacksonville. Uh, Florida just couldn't get it going. 105 passing yards. We talked about this before. Will Greer at WVU is in the conversation for Heisman Trophy, and they only get 105 yards passing. It was a big win for Georgia coming back after loss to LSU, and it sets up for next week. Um, Georgia, Kentucky, uh, Bam, LSU, and West Virginia, Texas. So, those, but Bam, LSU, and Georgia, Kentucky are almost like you know they each have one loss as all those four teams, and they'll be playing each other. But uh, uh, I just want to run before. Let me run through the uh, my predictions in the playoffs a little bit. Good. But but uh, there's 11 teams for four spots. That I think are left, and I, I I don't like what people say. What's someone rated right now? Like if a team is rated a certain level, I don't think it's like I don't care what it's now. It's like what can they be? Alabama is in the playoffs. They can lose a game and they're still in the playoffs. They're in it. Clemson is in the playoffs. If they lose a game, they're in the playoffs. Notre Dame is the next one. So that's the third team. They play at Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, USC. They lose one game, they're out. They can't go in with two. Mm-hmm. But I think they will lose, and I think they will be out. But then the next run of teams are is the other teams. If LSU beats Alabama and they have one loss and then wins the SEC title game with one loss, they're in. If Georgia does it, wins out, they beat UK, Kentucky, Auburn, Georgia Tech, the SEC title, they're in. Kentucky, if they beat Georgia, that means they beat Florida and Georgia, they beat Tennessee, Louisville, and Alabama, they're in. So the winner, one of those teams, if they beat, if Alabama loses, they're in. Like, there's just no way they're going to take the SEC champion with one loss who beats Alabama or who actually gets the title game and wins it, they're in. But if, as I predict, Alabama's going to win their games, they're going to win out, all those teams will have two losses that they'll be eliminated. 
So what do they, what do they next go to? I think it's the Big Ten. The Big Ten is really Ohio State or Michigan. They each have they each have one loss right now. If they play each other, one will up two. Yeah, huge Ohio matchup. State still has to play Michigan State, Michigan's Penn State. So one of those teams could be you know they they either have two losses or one loss. I think they're the next quote team in if somehow it's Notre Dame. You know they would be the fourth team in after Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama. But if they slip up, then it's going to be one of the Big Twelve teams: West Virginia or Oklahoma. West Virginia is at Texas, at TCU, Oklahoma State. And then they play Oklahoma, and they play the conference title. And our Oklahoma, they have one loss, too. Uh, and then the weird thing that the Big 12 does, one, two, play each other. So I really think that they're going to all have two losses. And then the weird thing is that Washington State's sitting out there, and they still have at Cal and at Washington. They might slip in as a four seed, because if everybody has a they win the, their conference, they could get in. Short of that, they're not putting a two-loss team in, and that's why I think we talked about this before. I think Central Florida, they're ranked ninth right now. I want to see what they come out of the rankings. I think if everybody's sitting there with two losses, they might get that fourth spot. And that'd be exciting to see Alabama, UCF. You know, that would be, it'd be awesome. somehow interesting to see Alabama, UCF in that, in that first playoff. No, it'd be, it'd be awesome. And we, everybody in South Florida has been rooting for UCF to get that, you know, kind of uh, level of credibility that their franchise just hasn't quite gotten yet. It's 803, Iron Sports, 95.9, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Let's wrap it up. Uh, you've seen a lot of LeBron James these past couple of weeks. What are you thinking? What's his prospects? Fill us in on the NBA. Love the Lakers. I love them. I love this team. I saw them the first night and they, and where they played the Rockets. They lost. The third night, second night, they lost to the Spurs. They lost in triple. In overtime, LeBron was 32 points, 14 assists, 8, re, eight, assists, eight, eight rebounds. Um, he tied it in regulation of the three. But in overtime, they, they, uh, um, they lost when they were up six points and blew the lead. But the games don't matter. The wins and losses aren't as important. Kyle Kuzma is becoming a borderline all-star. I mean, 37 points and eight rebounds. Lonzo Ball was not Lonzo Ball with his father yelling and screaming. Lonzo Ball is playing great basketball. He and LeBron watched them together. They throw these passes. They're like hockey passes. Sometimes they don't even have the ball touch their – they don't even catch the ball. They are just like slapping the ball to the other team. They are to each other. They, are, they have great chemistry. And Hart is that the point guard from Villanova who came 20 points, 10 rebounds. Um, they look great. I mean, as I said, they, they, then they beat the, the Nuggets. And it was exciting to be at the Nuggets game because it was Kobe's first time to see LeBron. And it was neat to see Kobe there and Magic there and the royalty and the LeBron playing. Um, there, as we talked about in the first game, LeBron was sort of off the ball. Now LeBron is controlling the ball. Uh, LeBron's going to – the game, he could have – he can have 20, 25 assists. I mean, he is just – the way the game is playing, the way the Lakers are playing, the way they're cutting. I mean, you have Lance Stevens who plays hard. Javal McGee plays hard. The young players are playing hard. This team is playing hard. I'm just do not sleep on these Lakers teams. They are getting good. They're going to add a superstar next year. If they had one superstar, they don't need to get rid of this young core. This they can compete for the title. They, they're, they're this good. I like this team, and they they keep improving. I, I'm a big fan of the Lakers. I'm very impressed. If LeBron had this team last year with the Cavaliers, I think he would be much more relaxed because they, they have players that are making plays. They're better than the, the his supporting cast now is better than last year's team for the Cavaliers. 
They are without a doubt. Hey, breaking news out of Orchard Park. Uh, the New England Patriots are going to sit Josh Gordon for a, quote, couple of series as he was tardy to a few practices this week. You know how this goes with Josh Gordon. Interesting if he's on your fantasy team, how you're going to play this one out. Ira, we are out of time. I want to thank you so much for filling us in on everything happening in L.A. and getting us through that World Series slide and into the start of the NBA season. It's Ira on Sports. We'll talk to you next Monday night. True Oldies Channel.